What's going on, everybody? Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And on today's episode, we're bringing back the top 10 list. I think this is top 10 number six. Um, and we're going to be talking about overrated NBA players, best NFL rivalries, and from the show Survivor, some of our favorite contestants. So hopefully you guys enjoy those topics. And uh, we also have some news to report about our last episode too so stay tuned now let me introduce you to the rest of our crew what's going on guys i'm connor the co-host with the most and the creator of the formula one power rankings and i'm excited for this these top 10 lists it's actually been a while since we've done one of these so it was getting a little stale for a bit there but now since we've had a gap in between i'm excited to do this again and i'm especially excited for our last top 10 yeah, real quick, Connor, is that trophy on your intro slide bigger than you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that... you know, I still didn't go through and Photoshop anything like you and Nate did. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a semi humble winner, you know. <laughs> uh, so what's going on, guys? Eric here, your ranting co-host. I don't know if there will be a rant in this episode, but just a little side rant i have to rant on myself with my ego <laughs> performances against zach it's a war strategy game we've all been playing a lot and i have yet to beat zach i think i'm like oh and five or oh and six against him oh, so man. i need to get a couple out. times but the fact that i have not beaten him yet i just i'm really upset about that but I'm excited for uh, my day off tomorrow and excited to be in another episode. So I, I am excited about that. <laughs> well, you need to you need to play me, Eric, because you and I haven't played yet. So, yeah, seriously, man, it, it it's a battle that's long overdue for sure. Yeah. Playing, <laughs> you know, I guess if I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit, I'm am I two and one or three and one against Zach? I, can't I remember. think you're three and one. Yeah. But yeah. but Zach did. Uh, he beat me the most recent time. So he's got the most recent bragging rights. Mm. Yeah, I did, and uh, there was one game too. There was one. There was one game that I beat Zach because he fell asleep. Basically, I've, I fell asleep, and and <laughs> I still think about it. So um, we'll get started. We'll get started here with with our episode. Um, now, as you all know, in the last episode, we drafted all time NBA teams, and at the end of the episode, we were pretty split on who we thought the best team was. We were all like, oh, yeah, this is so tough. This is, uh, we've all got such good teams and everything. And so uh, we we decided, of course, to put our teams up on Twitter against each other. Since Eric did the best, according to us, he got the first round by. Uh, but here are the results from the Twitter polls. You may or may not have voted in. Didn't get a ton of votes. I was hoping for more votes overall. But I guess when people just saw this, they saw all these words, and they're like, yeah, that's too much to read. Um, that's my thinking, <laughs> but, uh, Sadly, but, that's probably true, honestly. Yeah. If it was a lot shorter with maybe no bench, it might've done better. But, um, but here for the first round, uh, there was a couple of, uh, it was a double elimination tournament, but I, my team went up against, uh, Connor's team and I won by about a two, two to three margin. Um, but, it was like fifty six to like forty three or something. Okay. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me. Minute. It's okay. Minute. They don't need to. Yeah. Know. It was sixty one to thirty five. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and then the next matchup was RM versus Nate, and RM 
had a easy win there, seventy five to twenty five, basically over Nate. And then, so then we we went to the losers bracket: Nate's team versus Connor's team. Connor did not end up the ultimate loser here. Uh, <laughs> he he handily beat Nate's team. I I gotta say, I I like Nate's team, but I I do agree with Twitter that it would have been ranked fifth out of the five of us. Um, so sorry, Nate, but your team lost here. And then the next round, this was going to be Connor against Eric, and Eric won this. This was pretty close, I believe, early on in the poll. Yeah, but Eric pulled away he towards pulled away the, at end. the end. Yeah, like, Eric had a slight lead on me at the beginning. I was like, "Man, I'm in this." Like, you know, since we thought the majority of us thought that Eric had the best team, something. Yeah, Man, this is good. But then he pulled away at the end. And I was like, "Man." <laughs> And and also how uh, how I beat you in the first round too. Well, that was that's so. what I when once you get to the end, I was going to say something yeah. related to that. So I, I'll let you keep going first. <laughs> sure. All right. So my team went up against RM's team, and and I was surprised. I, I figured it'd be close, but I didn't think I'd lose by this much. Seventy-one to twenty-eight uh, margins here. So I got I got handed to me, but there was only fourteen votes. So these votes went a long ways. Uh, so that leads us to our championship round. Team RM versus Team Eric. Can the guest beat the sitting host on today's episode? No, he did not. Eric pulled away and won this championship. Uh, oh. <laughs> final final poll results. That Michael, that Michael Jordan help. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a big help for sure. But, I, you it know, I've, I've been on a bit of a yes. losing streak in the Clutch Crew Sports-related <laughs> material, so... Uh, it was nice to get this win here. Yeah, so 62-38 win for Eric over RM. But So, Connor, what was it that, that you were talking about earlier, how you were surprised? Well, I was going to say, because I wonder, I would actually love to see, because obviously, you know, RM had the second best team, Eric had the best, and Nate had the worst. But I would have loved to have seen you versus me again with my... Because in our first poll, I had Novitski as my starting power forward and AD on the bench. But for my matchup against Eric, I moved AD into the starting lineup for mm-hmm. Novitski, in which I did better against Eric, who won the whole thing, than I did against you. So I would have loved to have seen what it would have been you versus me for AD, if AD was in there, to see like, yeah, who actually had the third true. best team. Because we, I thought we that could was throw this out there. We could throw this out yeah, there. Yeah, we will. Because I thought that was interesting. How I was like, how did Zach beat me? Like, you know kind of like the same margin as Eric did, but Eric had, you know, I think I did a little better against Eric and Eric won the whole thing. So I was like, that's kind of weird to me. We could have a, we could have a bronze medal matchup here. (laughs) I'm I'm down. I'm down for sure. Um, But yeah, so that wraps up uh, the teams there. I won't go off and list every player on every person's team, but if you didn't watch that episode, I highly recommend it. It was our most recent episode other than this one. So yeah. Check it out if you didn't, but let's get into the top 10 list, guys. So bringing back the top 10s, like I said, the first topic was suggested by Connor. and It was, it was a pretty good topic, so I immediately said yes when I saw it. And that is most overrated NBA players. Eric, start us off here with your list. You can go from either 1 to 10 or 10 to 1, whatever you want. Yeah, I, I like going from... Uh, I kind of enjoy going from 10 to 1, so... Okay. Uh, starting with number 10, I think we all had this guy in our list was uh, Devin Booker. Um, I didn't have him quite as high as you guys did. He puts up a lot of stats and things like that, but 
for whatever reason, it just hasn't translated into the win loss column for the Suns. If you can, if you're looking at YouTube, you can see the records that the Suns have had while he's been there. Now, part of that I do feel is on the Suns management for not surrounding him with the greatest of talent, and so that's why I don't have him quite as high on my list as I do some of these other guys, but I felt like he belonged in here because with the numbers he put up and with the amount of time he's been there, the record should be a little better than it has been. So that's why I've got him at number 10. I've got Zach Levine at number nine. Uh, Kind of the same thing as Devin Booker here. Like he puts up a lot of points and does different things like that. But again, with the bulls, they just, they haven't had any success and he's supposed to be like their best player, but it just seems like nothing ever happens with them. But also, again, kind of like with Devin Booker, the Bulls don't have a great team, so I don't fully blame him. But I put Zach Levine a little bit higher than Booker here because Zach Levine is not a good defender at all. and Or 2K he, player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was bad too. But, yeah, he, uh, he gets torched a lot defensively. And so you're going to kind of see that theme a lot with my team. or Not my team, but of my top 10 overrated players here. You're going to see that theme quite a bit. And then I have uh, DeMar DeRozan at number eight. And the main reason why I've got him in this list, uh, he's another one that I don't believe anybody else has on their list other than me. But I put him in here just because he is really known for being a playoff choker. And he just... When, it, when it's the big game, he just doesn't seem to show up. And so I'm not a big fan of that. I could have also put Kyle Lowry in here for that same reason. But I put DeMar in here instead because I feel like he's generally viewed as a better player than Kyle Lowry is. And so it's more important, especially when uh, he was on the Raptors teams. He was kind of supposed to be the best player on that team. But in the playoffs, it just didn't show so I don't like that. So that's why I put him in here. Trey Young, uh, number seven, kind of similar as Zach Levine and Devin Booker. You know, great offensive player. You know, gets you a lot of points, things like that. But again, it doesn't translate on the scoreboard or for the teams for the W and L column. And he's another one that translates just not in the L column. <laughs> yeah, it translates in the L column more than the W column. And he just another one is another one like Zach Levine that just gets torched on defense a lot. He is a terrible defender, but he's young and, you know, I feel like over time he could, you know, get off of this list, but I do feel he is a bit overrated. I put Kyle Kuzma at number six. And the reason why I put him in here is, I don't know. I just, I feel like he gets a lot of hype for some reason and, I don't really understand why. I don't. I noticed. I think you guys both put him in here as well. Y'all probably agree with me on that. But when I see him play, I just don't see what the hype is. You know, people were saying like, "Oh, the the Lakers are gonna," you know, with AD and LeBron, you know, and then oh, they got Kyle Kuzma, and I don't know. I don't get it. And then <laughs> people kept saying like, "Oh, these teams need to trade for Kyle Kuzma because." 
you know, he can set him over the top. And I don't, I just don't, I just don't really see what he brings to the table. Like he's a decent player. You know, he's not a terrible player, but just with all the hype that's on him, I just, he, it's not deserved. It's not, the hype is not deserved. Ben Simmons, uh, this one's pretty simple for me at number five. Uh, the guy can't shoot. So, <laughs> you know, when, when you're supposed to be a, you know, when you're supposed to be a point guard, even though he's a taller point guard, you're supposed to be able to shoot the ball. You, you can't, you can't get by as I mean, a point guard. I mean, for, all you can do is make layups and pass. It, Eric, yeah. I would, uh, to break in here, I think that's a qualification for any NBA player who's got to be able to shoot from at least some range. I unless, mean, you're, unless you're a center yeah, to unless, like a lesser you know, extent. If you're like a shot. Even nowadays, like I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, but especially a guard. I mean, yeah. you, need to, you need to have that facet of your game where teams are afraid of you of you pulling up and taking a three-pointer. I mean, teams can at just least sag off. <laughs> yeah, teams can just sag off of him on defense, which then hurts his drive game because – there's so much space between him and the defender. Whereas if he could actually shoot the ball and draw the defender up, it gives him more space to get around. So I, I'm not a bit, I'm not a fan of Ben Simmons at all. I wouldn't want him on my team unless he could prove he could actually start shooting the ball. I just, I don't get it. And then at number four, I have Carl Anthony Towns. who's kind of the opposite of Ben Simmons here. I, for a big, I feel he's really, timid with his post game and he relies on his outside shot too much as opposed to being a dominant force in the paint if you ever watch a Timberwolves game you'll see this all the time where somebody brings the ball to the court and then he gets a screen and gets the ball at the top of the three-point line and then he just jacks up a three they don't run the offense they're not running plays it's just get him the ball and him chuck up a three. And then you've got your biggest guy shooting threes all the time. So you don't have big guys in the paint to collect rebounds. You don't have the threat of getting offensive rebounds and that could lead to second chance points. And then he, for a big man to me is just a really timid defender too. He's not a great interior defender for a big man. I just am really for his size and athleticism. He should be a much better player than he is, but Kind of like with Kyle Kuzma, though, he gets a lot of hype, and I don't really understand it. So, not a big fan of him either. And then at number three, I've got James Harden. Aaron's I mean, favorite guy. <laughs> Aaron Swarm's favorite player. My favorite player. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, obviously, he's a great scorer, and he, he's going to get you a lot of points. But, again, with like a lot of these other players, he's a terrible defender. And I know somebody's probably going to come at me and be like, oh, well, he gets steals. And that's because he sags off. And sometimes he gets lucky and, you know, gets some steals from passes across the lane or something. And he intercepts them or something like that. He's not getting steals with his on-ball defense and, you know, outsmarting the opponent. It's He sags off on defense a lot. His effort on defense is terrible. Uh, his leadership ability has been questioned a lot. There's been players that have you know, wanted to get away from him like Chris Paul and stuff like that. So I just not a bit other than his scoring. I'm not a big fan of him. And then uh, this brings me to my number two, which is Draymond Green. And with Draymond Green, it's obviously known that he's not a scorer. He's not a shooter. He's 
he usually only gets like 10 points a game, something like that. I don't know his exact stats, but my problem, my two problems with Draymond Green are one with the not being able to shoot. I mean, when he stands at the three-point line, teams just dare him to shoot the ball. And I've watched him. He'll make some from time to time, unlike Ben Simmons, but <laughs> he he's I've watched him jacked up a lot of air balls from the three-point line. I mean, his shooting is just god-awful. But where I really feel like he's overrated is his defense. I've seen people all the time, and they say, oh, Draymond, he can guard the one through the five. He can guard anyone. But if you watch him play, his strength on defense is he will do good against guarding bigs that, you know, back down in the paint, even though he's kind of undersized. So I give him credit for that. But when he's got to go against somebody that is a good ball handler or has good footwork, he gets torched all the time. I remember in the finals against the Cavs when LeBron was still there, he there was a lot of hype going on that series. Like, oh, Draymond's going to shut LeBron down. Well, in the first game, I think LeBron got like 46 points on him or something like that. Like, And then they had to switch Draymond off onto somebody else. And obviously LeBron's a great player, but when you're giving up 46 points against anybody, I think that, and you're supposed to be an elite defender, then that shows that you're overrated. Uh, I, I, and he's especially overpaid too now with that big contract he just got. So not a, and plus with his attitude too, he gets, you know, a lot of technical fouls. He's been suspended in games for the playoffs from getting too many technical fouls. That's not somebody I would want on my team. And then number one, I do like this guy. So I don't want it to be taken as is like, oh, I hate this guy. But it's Russell Westbrook, uh, who was obviously on my Oklahoma City Thunder for a long time now with the Houston Rockets. But I feel like his game definitely has been exposed. And especially since he went to Houston, because everybody felt like, you know, OKC would get as far as they did because of him and Durant. Or even after Durant was gone, you know, they got as far as they did because of Russ. But when the situation was reversed and the Thunder got Chris Paul and uh, Russ was gone, even with Paul George leaving, the Thunder have actually been just as good, if not better, even without those two stars. Whereas when he went to Houston, they were a team that was sat at the top of the conference other than Golden State. you know. And then Russ was supposed to be the one that was going to push them over the top and get them to the championship. But the Rockets have really had a mediocre season for their standard for what they were expecting. And Russell Westbrook is just, he's also like a lot of the guys on my list is not a good defender. I, you know, if you know me from listening to these episodes, you know, I like two way players. I like guys that can score, but that can also play defense. That's really valuable to me. His defense is very bad. He's a terrible three point shooter and he's reckless with the ball. He get, he gets a lot of him, him and James Harden, both like they get a lot of turnovers that go unnoticed. People just look at the stats and say, Oh, they got, you know, they both got triple doubles and they got 36 points and 12 assists and 10 rebounds. Well, but if they also have like nine or 10 turnovers, then that's kind of negating the assist. Quadruple it, double with turnovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if they're, you know, they're getting 38 points, but it's on 29% shooting. That's not good. That just means you're jacking up a lot of shots that aren't going in. So as much as I love the guy, like, my favorite thing about him is his effort. You'll never see him quit. He's always going hard, and I like that. But 
his skill set is just very overrated to me and so I'm not a fan of that. So as much as I appreciated his effort for the Thunder, I'm kind of glad we don't have him anymore now. So I know it was a bit lengthy there, but I will uh, pass the torch over now. All right. Well, unlike, I guess opposite of Eric, I'm probably going to be mostly brief because NBA is definitely my weakest subject. So, um, But I will start by saying that I don't have Ben Simmons on my list, which the other three guys do which the main reason why I don't have him on my list is probably because of his, just like, obviously he's a terrible shooter, but I think he makes up for it with his assists, with his, he gets a lot of steals, which I think he makes up for it in the other categories. And I think he's just good enough. He, I definitely considered him, but that's the reason why he's not on my list because I think, and his mid range game is actually not too bad. It's obviously his three point shooting is complete garbage, but you know, his mid-range game is actually decent, so he can take those shots and still make them. And, you know, he's not just... Obviously, most of his points come close to the basket, but he can get points not outside... that He can get points outside of the paint. So that's why I don't have Ben Simmons on here. But then... So at number 10, I kind of have a combo going on here with Nicholas Batum and Harrison Barnes. And I decided I would include both of them just because of their contracts, especially Nicholas Batum, which... You know, you guys have heard my hate for the contract that the Hornets gave him, like the worst management decision in the history of ever when it comes to NBA that's, basketball. That's Jordan, Jordan management. Yeah, right? I, I know. Well, the fact that we lost Kemba because of him, too. Yeah. But, you know, I that's why I remember Zach said something about on the favorite players. He was like, well, I wonder why Kemba's still on his list. It's because I still like Kemba because it wasn't his fault that he left, that Jordan gave him a really low offer. Like I, I don't blame him for leaving. If he, if Jordan had offered him the max and he, and then he was like, I'm leaving peace out, then I wouldn't like him. But so yeah, so Batum and Harrison Barnes, ridiculous contracts and not worth them. Harrison Barnes, like four years, 80 million. And Batum got, I think he got somewhere in the neighborhood of, over like even bigger than Harrison Barnes's contract because he's making like 35 million a year and he kind of sits on the bench half the time nowadays he's not even that good anymore so we're basically I swear, paying him to, to do nothing I swear both of these guys when they had their contract negotiations that they like walked in with a gun or something because I don't understand <laughs> how they got <laughs> they need to be arrested for armed robbery like, or they, yeah. they somehow like get, slipped a pill in a drink that like brainwashes people or something Spe- I mean, they they especially but Tom like at least Harrison Barnes is still a starter but Tom's not even a starter anymore like it's just ridiculous when someone who's not even a starter is getting paid 35 million dollars so then I've got LeBron at number nine, which obviously would come as a surprise to a lot of people. But the main reason I have LeBron, we were talking about this before the episode started, because um, with LeBron, yes, I do think we all agree that his stats this past season have been pretty overrated because, you know, he's kind of delving into the Russell Westbrook triple double category where he's getting kind of meaningless triple doubles because people are just kind of like giving him the rebounds or he's getting easy rebounds and whatnot. So there is that, but the main reason why I have him at number nine is because of overrated is because of all the people that think he's better than Jordan. They keep thinking that he's better than Jordan, and there's a large following of people that think that, and I just don't think that's true. If you know anything about Clutch Crew Sports, that we all think that Jordan's the GOAT. We don't believe in LeBron as the greatest of all time, so that's the reason why I've got him at number nine, just because of all the people that think he's the GOAT, which... I don't think he is. Jordan is still in my eyes, the goat. So that's LeBron at number nine. Then Kuzma, I have at number eight, like Eric said, 
you know, they there was a lot of people saying that Kuzma was, you know, really good. They needed a trade for him, but I just haven't seen anything out of him that really made me believe that he was that good. I remember playing 2K as well. You know, the commentators were always like, "How oh, Kuzma is like this great player and everything." I'm thinking, not, not really. I don't. It's like he's good, but he's not great. He's not someone who's, you know, going to carry a team. He's not a superstar. Then Trey Young at number seven. Poor, horrible defense, you know, obviously a great scorer, but he can't do anything but score, and the Hawks obviously are a suffering pretty bad right now. So, you know, they, they're not even, there's not even been considerations that the Hawks were going to be, like, maybe good. Obviously, they got a lot of draft picks this past year to maybe help them out, but even so, the Hawks are still one of the worst teams in the East. And then Devin Booker, for the same reason, like Eric said, you know, puts up a lot of stats, but the Suns are terrible. So at least they showed some more promise this year. You know, they started out a lot better, kind of tailed off as the season went on. But, you know, they're they got they're taking steps in the right direction. So but for right now, as long as they're still, you know, not in the playoffs, Devin Booker is going to be on here. Then Carl Anthony Towns, despite absolutely kicking my ass in NBA 2K19, when we were doing our my league, which was very horrible, he was the bane of my existence. Um, he's definitely not as good as some people think he is. You know, same again, piggybacking off of Eric. You know, he relies way too much on his three point shot, which shouldn't be. You know, it's good, it's great that you're a center and you can shoot threes, but he's definitely more of a, at least his skill set. He's kind of a Dirk Nowitzki power forward, pretty much, rather than a center, because you know. He's a really good offensive player, but being a center, you're expected to be more on the defensive side of things and hanging out in the paint, whereas Nowitzki, being a power forward, could get away with hanging out around the perimeter, and you know he could go in for rebounds when he needed to, but it's I think it's what made Nowitzki so great was the fact that he did it at the power forward position and not the center position, So whereas Katz got the wrong skill set for the center position. Then... The first appearance, Eric didn't have him on his list, but you're definitely going to see him the rest of the way. The first <laughs> appearance for the milk carton picture of Kyle Lowry. Obviously, you know, I'm going to let Zach talk more about him because obviously he's Zach's favorite player. But um, the fact that he doesn't ever show up in the playoffs and everybody always talks about Kyle Lowry being this great player. But then come playoff time, you know, he just disappears and Pascal Siakam is... You know, it's Pascal Siakam's team. It's not Kyle Lowry's team. While he has performed, you know, it's it's not his team. Then I go to Draymond Green. You know, obviously, he likes to call himself the best defender in the world. You know, I think there was... I was watching one of those clips of horrible questions from NBA reporters, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's one of these guys who's no, notorious for asking stupid questions. And one of them was, it was during the finals, he literally asked pretty much every player on the Raptors, you know, he said that, you know, Draymond Green just said he's the greatest defender in the world. How do you think he'd compare against Kawhi Leonard, who's also a good defender? And even though, stupid question aside, the fact that he asked that like five times to all the Raptors players, um, Draymond's just a bit, he's overrated when it comes to his defense. He can't guard guards at all. And like Eric said, his three-point shooting is just atrocious. You know, you can just see clips all over YouTube of him standing alone at the three-point line and jacking up a three and it being nowhere near even going in. So um, he should probably stop doing that, just giving him some advice. But 
Then we go to James Harden, number two, our fa- another one of our favorites. You know, the fact that I keep seeing all these people that when we were talking about the MVP race, you know, obviously there was all these talks for Giannis and LeBron and Doncic. And of course, Harden was still in the conversation. Like Harden's like in the, he's MVP. Like he's not, he doesn't do anything other than score. I mean, I love watching those clips of him on YouTube of his defense where he just kind of stands there and he just lets the guys blow past. Or there was one where, you know, he wasn't paying attention to his guy and the guy like cut behind him and got in under the basket and Harden like turned around and was like, what happened? I don't know what happened. (laughs) And then, but then my favorite one of all time of him that I saw on YouTube was, I guess like there was, it was a, a one on two, I'll say. So the guy, there was one guy with the ball and two defenders and I guess Harden was the secondary defender and the guy got past the primary defender and instead of Harden, you know, going to help out and defend the other guy, Harden like stuck his hand out and was like yelling at the guy who let him by, like, oh, why, why'd you let him by? Instead of actually going and guarding. So the guy <laughs> went and got a basket because Harden was like, what, what was that? Like, why are you complaining to your teammate? Go play defense. And then finally, Russell Westbrook, number one, um, you know, all those triple doubles we've discussed are pretty an overrated stat because, you know, he get a lot of those rebounds. He gets gifted and, you know how like Eric mentioned when he went to the Rockets he was supposed to be the piece that was going to get them to the championship but the Rockets are having a pretty you know they actually got worse after Russell Westbrook got there so clearly he wasn't the answer and um you know I'm a just like Eric I'm a fan of Russell Westbrook I, I like him a lot but I can't deny that he is definitely you know without a question in my mind the most overrated player in the league so I'll let Zach talk now yeah, yeah, you guys uh, talked a lot of great points there. And I've got, for the most part, the same list as you guys with a couple exceptions. But I've got Kyle Kuzma at number 10 here on my list. And it's funny, he was actually, I think, underrated at one point. I believe his rookie season with him and Jason Tatum, that Tatum was the overrated one and he was the underrated one when you really looked at the stats and such. But... Now it's just completely flip-flopped, and and this season especially, he's been overrated because even last season, I thought the the Lakers were smart for not trading him, but they were wrong about that, and he's just way too inconsistent. He'll have some great games, but he'll go for like two weeks just playing terrible, so that's why I think he's overrated. Just really bad consistency with Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I've got Aaron Gordon at number nine here. I think he gets overrated a lot because of his showings in the dunk contest, and he's had some crazy dunks there. So people assume, oh, he's going to be such a great player, but he's really having a down year, really bad season so far. Um, He got a big contract extension from the Magic and was expected to be the face of the franchise sort of guy, but he never has lived up to that role. He's not a bad player by any stretch or anything, but I just feel like he gets overrated and on a really average team. I mean, the Magic are like the definition of average in the NBA, Um, but the dunk contest got him on the national map. And then I've got Devin Booker at number seven here, and really just for his losing character. um, If he's so great, he's... If you're so great, you're going to at least get your team to the playoffs in a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs, and he's never done that. 
Uh, and it's not like he's had, he has had some good teammates alongside him, too. He hasn't had a great cast or anything, but he's had some okay guys around him. Uh, but he just puts up stats and loses. He doesn't know how to win. So until he starts winning, then I'll be like, okay, he can get in an all-star team or whatever. Um, number six here, I've got Luka Doncic. seven, who, actually. <laughs> or seven, seven, seven. Getting ahead of myself. Uh, I've got him here on this list. Now, might draw some controversy because he's having a really good season and everything. But for me, you're you become an overrated player when people start comparing you to Larry Bird. And I know it's mainly because of the skin color, but uh, <laughs> a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, white. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people compare him and say, oh, this is the next Larry Bird. Oh, my God. Doncic is the next bird and, and all this stuff really because white i think but he plays <laughs> terrible defense bird never played as bad bird was a all all nba defender um Dantich plays terrible defense there's been quotes from opponents saying at the end of games and pressure situations they were like whoever Doncic is guarding is gonna shoot because he's a bad defender he's actually a bad three-point shooter too he just takes so many that his stats get inflated but his percentages are from three are bad I just feel like he's been really overrated. Um, and it's really with the Larry Bird comparisons. That's why he's on my list. Uh, Sounds like ben my Simmons, LeBron reasoning. <laughs> yeah. Ben Simmons at, at six now. You guys hit the nail on the head. He can't shoot a three. Oh, actually, Connor didn't have him on this list. But I, I agree with everything Eric said. Can't make a three. And I, I do feel like he is overrated. And I personally had really high expectations for the 76ers. You could really throw in Bede on this list, too. He could be a wild card. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about him. That's um, true, too. He'd be an honorable yeah, mention. <laughs> yeah, uh, but th- they've really let me down with this team. They have a stacked team, and he's supposed to be the captain, point guard, second-best player to Embiid and, and whatnot, and uh, just hasn't delivered and and really disappointing me. So I thought he'd be better, and, and he's not. And at this point in his career, you got to at least attempt three-pointers, and he still hasn't done that yet. Uh, the opposite, though, Trey Young, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just takes a lot of three pointers, and I'll give it to you. He's a, he's fun. He's exciting to watch. I can see why a lot of people like him, but his defense is terrible. I mean, he's not much taller than Connor is. Uh, <laughs> Connor's, the, Connor's the tallest of us, so I used him as a comparison. I mean, him and you and Nate are probably the same size, but uh, but yeah, it's he's probably <laughs> I think not I'm much taller, taller than Trey Young, actually. <laughs> Maybe I mean. That's just such a defensive liability. Oh, no, he, he, he's one inch taller. He's six okay. one. I'm six okay, foot. Yeah. I thought he was short. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's you're a defensive liability when you're that height in the NBA. It's just, that's just how it is, and uh, that's why the Hawks lose almost every game they play in because, yeah, he can score, but it's easier to score on him than it is for him to score on the other team because eventually he's going to miss. Um, everybody knows <laughs> My favorite, Kyle Lowry here at number four. Uh, just completely disappears and is gone in the postseason. And that's, to me, that you're overrated when you get picked to every all-star team, it seems like. It just seems like he's always in the all-star team. Everyone's like, oh, Kyle Lowry's the, he's a, he's a good point guard and all this stuff. And then in the playoffs, he just has zero-point games just about every season. And it's like, where where'd you go, man? We're, we're trying to find you. Um, <laughs> so so Kyle Lowry's here, and 
you know, you can listen to it about a year ago. I really, really ranted on him, but uh, not going to do that this time. James Harden, I've got at number three. You guys talked about uh, how overrated he is with his defense and everything. And, and I'll add this in another point here to why he's overrated. If he had played in the like middle school leagues that I played basketball in, he'd be the worst player on the team because those <laughs> referees actually call traveling violations. And in the NBA, they don't. But if he was playing alongside us, he, he wouldn't be able to play because he just travels every time he shoots. Uh, to me, <laughs> that's disrespectful to the game when you just completely ignore a fundamental basketball rule. So for that reason, James Harden, you're number three. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love that. That is that is that is a great point. That is a great point, actually. That a lot of people don't talk about with his scoring is how a lot of times he does get away with traveling violations. So really, yeah. they shouldn't count. <laughs> well, actually, sure. yeah, I guess before you before Zach goes on, I remember another one of those clips I saw on YouTube of him was literally he dribbled up to the half court line, and after he, I don't know if this, I don't think this got called either. He got up to the half court line. Then he literally probably took like six or seven steps up to the three point line without <laughs> dribbling and then shot. I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh, LeBron. They never call too. it, LeBron, dude. <laughs> like, I don't know why they don't call that. It's it's unreal. Yeah. So he basically scores all his points from traveling. So got to put him there for that. Uh, and then I've got Carl Anthony Towns, number two, another former Kentucky Wildcat alongside Devin Booker. Notice a trend here with Kentucky. Uh, (laughs) But Cat, people, the reason I've got him number two is, uh, A, I don't think he's that great as he is, and B, he gets overrated like you would think he's God on Twitter with some of these Minnesota Timberwolves fans. And I know there's not that many of them out there, but the ones that do, man, they are highly defensive of Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, they, I mean, how dare you say Nikola Jokic is better? How dare you say <laughs> any other center is better than him? And uh, defensive liability takes way too many three pointers. You guys hit those on the nail on the head there. And also, he's soft too. I mean, it, people just bully him around. Like Embiid, I think was like, oh, I'm in. I own this piece of rent in uh or something about his is in his head so he's he's known as a soft player and that's probably why the wolves have never well they did make the playoffs one year but they've had great players i mean him and booker i mean he's had better teammates than booker but uh, jimmy butler wiggins uh they had uh d rose for a year and, and he was teague. teague so i mean they've had some good players there i remember everyone was all hyped about the timberwolves and they squeaked in the eight seed one year and continue to get swept. So, um, Timberwolves just been disappointing, and really, Cat just gets way overrated for that. Uh, well, the, number... fan, the, fan, the fans sound like the New York Jets fans with Sam Darnold. <laughs> Dude, honestly, honestly, I was com- going to compare him to Darnold, but he is better than Darnold, so I wasn't. That is do very that. true. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that I I was honestly thinking that comparison. Find a slightly better Darnold, and and you got a match there. Um, Russell Westbrook, I've got at number one, like the two of you guys, uh, you, you talked great about why he should be here. Number one on this list with the stat padding and also too with his three point shooting, it's, uh, it's terrible and it's been terrible for a span of like a decade. Now he just jacks up three pointers. 
at a super high rate and he's the worst in the NBA at uh, what they define like high high usage three-point shooter. So people shoot a lot of threes. He's got the worst percentage on that list. He tries to play like Dame, I think, when it comes to that. And he just never, kind of like Lowry, he never wins in the playoffs. The only time he ever did win in the playoffs is was with Durant. Uh, and I really think he held Durant back from, from winning that finals against the Heat. Uh, interesting if Eric believes that too or not. But I think he oh, held... Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And, okay. And, and <laughs> Him and James Harden both like had terrible series. Because Durant played great in that finals, um, but I think he deferred too much to Westbrook. Uh, so uh, that's the thing. And and like you said, with Houston, they've gotten worse with him. He plays. He's a hothead. He plays overly emotional, and I can see why that makes him. A, he's he's good for the fans because he plays high energy. Uh, he always likes to talk and everything. So I can see why people that love him just defend him like crazy. I mean, I one time on Twitter I was saying just because I thought Dame was better than him, and this guy like wrote an essay as to why he was better. I'm like, wow, this guy's got people on Twitter writing essays to defend him. Like, that's when you know you're overrated. So that's <laughs> that wraps up my list from one to ten there, guys. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on now to our next top 10 list. Oh, wait, no, we'll share Nate's here on the screen. Nate had really similar. I think he had everybody. Oh, Chris, Christoph's Porzingis, he had at four. That was somebody new. But other than that, he just had all the people that we had. But his, his number one was Draymond Green. So I didn't have him on my list, and you guys all had him. But uh, I just feel like Draymond doesn't get as much credit to be on this list. But... Um, but yeah, I can see why. Uh, now we'll start with the top 10 NFL rivalries. So, Connor, you can start us off here with your list. All right. Well, I will say before we start that, I was surprised to see that Zach did not have. There was one guy I thought was going to be on your list because of obviously, you know, from you and I having discussions, I thought Giannis was going to be on your top 10 list. So I was surprised that he wasn't on your top 10. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Giannis is a definitely a top five player in the nba so the fact that people say he's number one and i view him as top five that's not far enough to be overrated in my opinion but i do think he is slightly overrated but not to the extent to be on this list with those right guys. right well not to the extent of like Russ yeah. and Harden. yeah absolutely yeah. Yep. okay yeah so top 10 nfl rivalries um i like the theme of going 10 to 1 um so i think i'll yeah. do that for this too so starting off at number 10 i've got this is a Definitely more because a lot of these rivalries are more so based on recent, um, like recent games and stuff. But this is definitely more of a classic one, and I put it at number ten because obviously they don't get to play every season because they're in separate conferences. But the Steelers and Cowboys have a really long history of hating each other, and you know, not especially back. You know, they've played in the Super Bowl like three times in the past, so. The Steelers and Cowboys definitely have a big rivalry. It's the reason why uh, I was very distraught when I found out that when uh, Eric first got together with Susan, I found she was a Cowboys fan. I was like, like Dallas Cowboys, gross. <laughs> so, um, sorry, yeah. man. You just, you got to learn it. You just got to learn to deal with it. You know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, yeah, well, well, it's been quite a while now, so I have learned to deal with it. But um, yeah, the Steelers and You're Cowboys like, like, slowly getting used to it. <laughs> I think I'm used to it at this point. But yeah, so Steelers and Cowboys is definitely, there's a lot of hate, a lot of, you know, they've produced some really good games in the past as well. 
So um, even though there's not been, they haven't gotten to play each other, but I mean, even the last time they played each other, um, I think they're due to, yeah, they're due to play each other this season. I think, I think it's been four years now, but yeah, the last time they played, that was a really good game too. I mean, unfortunately, Ezekiel Elliott ended up taking the win from the Steelers, but that game went down to the wire. So Mm -hmm. they definitely put up good games. Then number nine, I've got the Colts and Texans, Um, you know, uh, up until this season, obviously, it was definitely a duel of young quarterbacks uh, with, you know, Deshaun Watson slash Andrew Luck slash Jacoby Brissett. And these teams are definitely very similar in the fact that they were, you know, obviously up until this point, they were very heavily offense based with not great defenses. And so and I feel like that's kind of reverse now. Like the Texans are probably still the same, like heavy offense, not as good defense. And now the Colts are kind of the other way around with a great, a good defense and a questionable offense, but they've put up some good games in the past. And obviously until the Titans emerged last season, this was usually the decider for the AFC South. Um, you know, obviously the Jaguars had the good year in 2017, but aside from last year in 2017, the, the Texans and Colts were usually the ones fighting for the South. So Obviously, pretty good games there. Then at number eight, I've got the Steelers and Bengals. I questioned putting the Steelers and Browns on this list uh, just because that rivalry has been around for so long. And But the reason why I didn't put that on there is because obviously the Steelers have absolutely owned the Browns in, for, since Roethlisberger's been there. So um, I think the Browns have only won like three or four times since Roethlisberger's been in Pittsburgh. So it's kind of like the... Bills and Patriots rivalry where Brady owns the Bills and Roethlisberger owns the Browns. So, but I put the Steelers and Bengals up there just because I don't think we've seen any rivalry in the past probably five seasons that's had as much hatred as this rivalry has had. You know, back in the day when there wasn't as many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and unnecessary roughness wasn't, you know, just for just for tapping somebody, you didn't get a flag called on you. You know, there were some really nasty rivalries like that i could say the steelers and raiders or you know the pretty much the raiders and anybody yeah the raiders and anybody (laughs) there was a lot of you know nasty rivalries but this has really been the only one in the past 10 seat 10 5 to 10 seasons or so that's been really nasty i mean you had the whole situation i think this was 2016 with Vontez perfect you know hitting antonio brown and then you know in the head and then obviously Pac-Man Jones got a, you know, penalty called on on him as well, which cost the Bengals that playoff game, the reason why they still haven't won a playoff game in forever. And and then obviously the next season with Juju absolutely blowing up Vontez Perfect and standing over him and taunting him. And then there were some issues the next season as well. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's definitely a game on the calendar where the refs have to be prepared, like to calm stuff down because there literally could be a brawl that could break out at this game. So, um, well, also it has been a little bit more of a one-sided rivalry again, you know, the Steelers have for the most part owned the Bengals over the years. Uh, the Bengals have definitely put up some competition to them, uh, more than the Browns have. So it's why I put this one on this list instead of the Steelers and Browns. Then I went to the Eagles and Giants I know this one definitely hasn't produced any fantastic games in the past just because the Giants have sucked for so long now. But this definitely, there's a lot of memorable moments in this rivalry. And, you know, obviously the Eagles and Cowboys are big rivals. But if you ask any Eagles fan who their biggest rival is, they're probably going to say the New York Giants. Um, And, you know, like the, the two miracles at the Meadowlands... Obviously, there was the one back in the, was it the 90s when, uh, like, the Herm Edwards thing? 
where the Giants, like, they fumbled the ball, and then Herm Edwards picked it up and ran it in. But then, obviously, the more recent one in 2010 with Deshaun Jackson running the punt back, you know, and Tom Coughlin was, like, telling the punter, like, put it out of bounds, but then he punted it right to Deshaun Jackson, (laughs) and we all saw how that turned out. So, and, again, just more of a historic rivalry. Like I said, the Eagles and Giants are huge rivals, so I put that on here. This one might be a little bit of a shock, but I've got the Patriots and Dolphins on here at number six, mainly because, you know, the Patriots have owned the Bills. They've owned the Jets for the past, you know, since Belichick has been there. But the Dolphins, for some reason, are one team that they just cannot get around when it comes down to it. I mean, when they play up in New England, New England tends to win, but it's just one team they can't get around when they go to Miami. And I know we've mentioned this before on the podcast. It's the only stadium in the NFL that Tom Brady has a losing record in is Hard Rock Stadium. So for whatever reason, the Dolphins just turn on, like they find some extra gear whenever they play the Patriots in Miami. And, you know, so shockingly enough, last year, the Patriots won in Miami, but then Miami went up and won in Foxborough. But it's just something about it when the Patriots go to Miami. It's like the world is backwards at that point. The Dolphins can be like the worst team in the world. But then all of a sudden, Jay Cutler has the best game of his life and beats the Patriots. So um, it's the reason why I included that on here. And I actually looked at, I think I looked at this stat on a previous Jeopardy episode, or maybe, I think I think it was on a Jeopardy episode, that since Tom Brady's been in New England, the, se- the, the season series has been split every season except for like four of those seasons. Like there was, I think it was like the very first season the Dolphins swept the season series, and then there's been a few seasons where the Patriots have, but for the most part, it's been split since Tom Brady's been in New England. So that's why I've got that one on here. Then at number five, the Eagles and Cowboys which these days seems to be the battle of mediocrity and the NFC East because, you know, they're both mediocre teams, but whoever ends up winning the game is going to end up winning the division. So um, there's obviously a lot riding on it, and they're definitely the two best teams in the NFC East right now. So it's whenever it's the two best teams in a division, it's always going to be a good, a good thing. So the Eagles and Cowboys at number five. Then at number four, I've got the Saints and Falcons. I was trying to think if I wanted like which NFC South rivalry I wanted to put on there just because I feel like at least in the past five seasons a lot of those teams have been inconsistent besides the Saints like the Falcons have been good at times the Panthers have been good at times the Buccaneers have been kind of constantly mediocre so I didn't really consider them as much but I decided to go Saints and Falcons with this one because it seems like no matter how good the Pan, I did look at some stuff and it seems like no matter how good the Panthers have been the Saints still tended to own them I mean, I know a couple seasons ago they got beat by the Saints three times during the season, and even though the Panthers were supposed to be good. So I went with the Falcons here, and obviously, you know, Julio Jones creates problems for the Saints, and it's just an it's fun to watch because they're always offensive flurries. I mean, two of the best offenses in the league with, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and um, at the time, Devontae Freeman, not anymore, but... Devontae Freeman, and then with the Saints and Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram at the time, you know, just huge scoring fests. And obviously, again, this is what would usually determine the winner of the NFC South. And, you know, which with team, whichever team didn't win was going to end up getting a wild card, most likely, too. So both teams would still be in the playoffs. <laughs> then I've got a more recent one, the Seahawks and 49ers. Obviously, they had two terrific games last season you know, with both teams being fighting for the NFC West, which the Seahawks honestly should have won that second game too. They won the first game, but they should have won the second game too. And 
it's going to be a rivalry that's going to be good for a few years to come, I think, because I know, I think it was Zach's the one who's not as big on the 49ers, but I'm pretty big on the 49ers right now. So I can, and as long as Russell Wilson's in Seattle, this is going to be a really good matchup to watch. And, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good matchup to watch for years to come. Then probably the most historic rivalry on this list at number two, the Packers and Bears. I mean, it's pretty much like the first rivalry in the history of the NFL. So how can you not include it on this list? And, you know, they always put up good games too. And obviously last, this, this one, this past season, the one that opened the season was a bit of a snooze fest. I mean, you know, both offenses were terrible with Mitchell Trubisky missing wide open receivers left and right. And Aaron Rodgers not looking like Aaron Rodgers. So um, definitely, again, a historic rivalry, but it's, the recent games that haven't been as good, I think, because both teams have been kind of more mediocre. It's been the Vikings that have been more so dominating the division in recent history. So they have, it's the reason why it's number two and not number one. And then obviously number one, um, I know Nate was the only one who didn't have this, but I don't see how you can put anything at number one except for Ravens and Steelers. I mean, they just put on the best games I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it doesn't matter whether the Ravens are terrible, whether the Steelers are terrible. Somehow these games are just fantastic. I mean, even this past year, like, you know, the second game in Baltimore was pretty, pretty bad because by that time, you know, even though the Ravens were resting their starters, the Steelers, I think just didn't care as much at that point. So the game wasn't very good, but the one in week four, you know, with Mason Rudolph at the helm, you know, somehow they went to overtime when the Ravens were just this juggernaut of a team. And it was Lamar Jackson's worst game of the season came against the Steelers. And it's just, I don't know. It's all inspiring to watch sometimes because there's so you can turn on the TV, you know, during any given NFL week and there'll be a game on and, you know, probably more often than not, it's just kind of like, you know, you want to fall asleep watching it because it's just not very exciting but at least you've always got, whenever these two teams are on, you've got one game that you always want to tune into the TV because it's always going to be exciting and there's always going to be a lot of action. And unlike, it's one thing that a lot of fans, especially like, you know, the players too, like a lot more about the Ravens and Steelers rivalry than the Steelers and Bengals rivalry. Because with the Steelers and Bengals, there's all this hate. There's all this, you know, nastiness that tends to happen. But with the Ravens and Steelers, they always play their hardest. There's always a lot of big hits. There's always a lot of, you know, drama that happens. But at the end of the day, they all the Steelers and Ravens have immense respect for each other as, you know, competing teams. And they always, you know, the players are they are good friends off the field, but they bring their best when they come to the field. So uh, definitely Ravens and Steelers, number one. And now I will turn it over to Zach. Sure. So. If you were looking on YouTube, your eyes might be hurting right now. Going, oh, my God. Look at all these logos. They're just flooding the screen. But just don't pay attention to the logo so much. Uh, just pay attention to what I got to say about them. Uh, number 10, the big battle for the AFC South. Um, I've got Titans. Or not Titans. God. Jeez, Colts you can't and even Texans. read the logos. <laughs> I need the words. Uh, Colts and Texans at number 10 here. Because this really does decide the division, other than the Jags winning it in 2017, either one of these two teams has won it for, I think, since the last time the Jags won it in 2007. So it's like a decade of either Colts or Texans. Um, I don't believe with these two teams that the rivalry between them is, is bitter, like, you know, like Steelers and Bengals bitterness. But 
Because um, I'd actually say the Jags Titans is a lot more heated for as far as that's concerned. But uh, the as far as the teams being good, these two teams are usually a lot better than the Jags and Titans. So uh, since they're usually fighting it out to win that division almost every year, I got to put them on the list. Uh, then I've got Chiefs and Raiders at number nine. This is a historical rivalry for sure because um, the Chiefs have kind of owned the Raiders lately. But the Raiders, like Connor said before, they could have been rivals with anybody, really. <laughs> the AFC West was so hard for me to decide like where to rank and how to rank because the Chargers, I thought, could have definitely been in there as well. But the Chiefs, Raiders, uh, Broncos are just... In, in the Chargers, all four of those teams are just long-storied uh, franchises that have always faced each other and always put on great games. So Chiefs Raiders, I've got it number nine. Uh, Seahawks uh, 49ers, I've got it eight, not as high as Connor had them, just because they're just too recent, I think, to be a uh, historical rivalry. Um, they've had great games and whatnot, but uh, we'll see if that continues. I don't know if it will or not, but... Um, the they definitely put on in this decade. If, if this decade, they definitely are a top top two or three rivalry. But all time, I've got to push them down a little bit more for that. Uh, then I've got Cowboys and Eagles here. Another thing was the NFC East. Uh, just so hard to pick from with these teams. Their bigger rival versus their smaller rival with their division. Um. It's just so hard. This is a much harder list to come up with in general than the overrated players. Uh, but <laughs> recently, recently, these two teams have been deciding the division, basically. The NFC's East is always a wide-open division, so it really could be any team against any team here. But um, these, I know these two teams hate each other, definitely, with the fans and whatnot. So got to put them on the list here. And then I've got... Bengals and Browns, the battle for Ohio. Um, not quality opponents usually, but definitely with the connections. I mean, that all the AFC North teams could be on this here too because I feel like they're all rivals with each other, especially like Browns and Ravens with the team being stolen from them and stuff. So um, that, that was hard to leave off, but I wanted to go with their more geographic rival here with the Bengals and Browns. Um, I I wouldn't say this is the best football to watch, but I would say to the fans they would want to win this game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well, I definitely agree with you too about the AFC North. Like, I think the only two teams that probably aren't like you know huge rivals really are the Ravens and Bengals because there's yeah. just not like a history there. But I agree with like the rest of the teams are all there's big rivalries in the AFC yep. North <laughs> for sure. Uh, so back to another kind of hard to pick from division here. I went with Redskins Cowboys really for the longevity of the rivalry. Uh, just two teams that I, I think the rivalry in recent years has died down, but, uh, because the Redskins memories. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, back with RG three and all, but yeah, the, this, this isn't the most glamorous game to watch or anything, but Definitely a lot of great older pass games with these two teams, and uh, just just hard. I'm not gonna defend these great because it, to, in my mind I could have had like a list of thirty here would be more appropriate. But um, but yeah, Redskins Cowboys here. Interested? Maybe we'll put up a poll 
for each team and see who they think their biggest rival is for their fans to vote on. I think that'd be fun because mm. I'm just trying to speak as a as a Jags fan. I don't know what the <laughs> what what the I don't know if the Cowboys view the Giants or Eagles or Redskins as their bigger rival or vice versa. So uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll do something like that in the future. Um, Saints and Falcons here. I've got at number four. This is like Connor said. This puts up great games if you love offense. These games are, are tremendously fun to watch. I, I watch a lot of them personally. Uh, living in Jacksonville, they're usually always on Fox. Uh, so the the Falcons, that is the Falcons anyways. Um, and when they play the Saints, it, it's a back and forth, usually down to the wire. Matt Ryan and Drew Brees have put up some huge games against each other. And like, like Connor said, these are just fun to watch. Um, then I've got Broncos Chiefs here at number three because... I think I, I finally had to make a commitment here and decide a, the best AFC West rivalry, and I went with these two teams because for the while, and especially in recent memory, these two teams have been the best. You know, Peyton Manning and Alex Smith, and, and the Chiefs are on a win streak right now, but the Broncos owned them early in the decade, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. So got to have them at number three, but really you could debate, move them down and slide other teams up, but... Then we get to one and two, which I feel a lot more solidified in putting and defining as one and two, and that's Bears Packers at number two, the long-standing old tradition. You know, it's the first week of the NFL 100 year, but the Bears have just been a dumpster fire lately, so that's <laughs> why that's why they're here. But I know Bear. I, I would say the Bears hate the Packers more than the Packers hate the Bears. I think the Bear. I think the Packers have broadened. Their hatred around, but the, the, the Bears are, yeah, the Bears are just like we gotta beat Green Bay, you know. So, uh, but hopefully in the future these are better games because I've heard of in you know this this old rivalry, you know, kind of like uh, Michigan Ohio State. But uh, then I've got at number one, like Connor had Ravens and Steelers. I mean, like Connor said, these put on great games, super fun to watch. Even as me not being a fan of either of these teams. Uh, they're usually like Sunday night games and stuff, and and they're good quality Sunday night games too. You're not, you know, th- this isn't a Thursday night Browns and Bengals game like I got earlier on the list. Um, or so Sunday they, night Cowboys and Giants. Yeah, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the the Ravens Steelers. That's always fun to watch, and usually decides the division too between those games. And and I like how too. And uh, Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems like the they win at each other's home fields occasionally too. It's not just oh the home team automatically wins. Is that true or or am I not yeah, getting yeah. that right? It's it's definitely um it's definitely that they will they'll swap. I mean yeah. you know, it's it's not just a home field advantage. I remember one interesting note about the Steelers Bengals rivalry is that that always used to be for whatever reason, the visiting team would always win. Oh yeah. Like the Bengals would always win in Pittsburgh and the Steelers would always win in Cincinnati. I thought that was weird, but yeah, for yeah, the Ravens and Steelers, they definitely, you know, it's not just the home team. Winning. Okay. Like, yeah. not, not like with the Patriots and dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, that's my list here. Let's, uh, let's turn it over to Eric. See what he's got on his top 10 list. Oh, yeah. Eric, so you with I'm us? Not gonna okay. be, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, I'm not going to be too long-winded here because my list is actually really similar to Connor's. Uh, 
my one through five is the exact same as his, other than I mm-hmm. flip flop Eagles, Cowboys compared to Saints, Falcons. So uh, I'm not going to talk about any of those, but uh, I'll focus more on my 10 through six. Uh, Steelers and Cowboys, I also picked. I kind of like Connor. I wanted to try to think of some rivalries that weren't just divisional rivalries. I wanted to try to go a little bit outside the box here. So, like Connor said, they always play amazing games against each other. They've met in the Super Bowl a bunch of times. I think out of, like, in terms of non-conference rivalries, that this is the best one for sure. Uh, It's always a fun time, even though, you know, I like, you know, I like the Cowboys uh, because of my lady. (laughs) I know you'd be sleeping outside if you didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. (laughs) She gave me a thumbs up over there. Uh, But yeah, but even even before I knew Susan, like, and I didn't like either of these teams, like, it was always fun to watch them play because you knew it was going to be an intense game. And then at number nine, also, like, I'm not really a Seahawks or Packers fan either, but they've had some battles in the playoffs recently, especially the one a few years ago where the Packers choked the lead and then the Seahawks got in the Super Bowl instead of them. That was a really insane game. You also had the fail Mary game uh, between the two game too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've had, these two teams have had again. While they're not divisional rivals, they've had a lot of great games against each other, and I think because of that, they've. They've got a heated rivalry now with each other, even though they're not in the same division. So I, I wanted to highlight both of those rivalries there. Uh, number eight and seven, I kind of went opposite of Zach with the AFC West rivalries, but again, it's like you you can't really go wrong with any AFC West rivalry, uh, no matter where you put them, because they've all had long rivalries with each other. They all hate each other. I went with the Broncos and Raiders at number eight because uh, I remember watching them a lot more from my younger days. And they definitely, especially back then, had a Steelers-Bengals type of rivalry going on. I mean, you had like Bill Romanowski Romanowski going at people. Uh, And, of course, the Raiders, they've been known for – you know, being more dirty throughout their time as a franchise. I mean, they, there was some, this, if you like dirty, heated, angry <laughs> football, like the, those were the games to watch back then. The, the rivalry is not quite as good now, but even in more recent memory, you had a key to leave and Michael Crabtree going at it with mm, yeah, like yeah. Riding, yeah. Crabtree's uh, necklace off of them. And uh, mm. I mean, so th- these two teams just hate each other with a passion. And that's why I put them on there. And then in the other AFC West teams, I've got the Chargers and Chiefs. They've had a lot of great battles recently as well that I do feel like are a little more underrated. And it seems like out of all the teams in the AFC West, the Chargers have been the team that's given Patrick Mahomes the most trouble and the most difficulty so far. Uh, they've had a you know a couple of upsets against them where the Chiefs were the heavy favorites and... Uh, even like in the last game of last season when the Chiefs were trying to get, you know, the first round by the and the Chargers had nothing to play for, the Chargers still gave them a heck of a game. So I feel like this is a little more of an underrated rivalry. That it may not be as hated of a rivalry, but these two teams have had a lot of fun games to watch recently. So I uh, 
I've enjoyed watching those games. And then at number six, Steelers and Browns. I was kind of like Connor where I had a similar situation where I was debating between these two teams or the Steelers and Bengals. And I definitely agree with Connor that overall in the more recent history, the state, the Steelers Bengals has been more heated, but I went with Steelers and Browns more so because I think this is going to be an exciting rivalry in the future. I mean, especially after miles Garrett, bash mason rudolph in the head with the helmet <laughs> True. I, mean, I, about that. I mean this, this is going to be an this is going to be an insane rivalry going forward and especially if the browns can start uh getting more competitive and you know they're supposed to have a you know, better team now and zach's got him high in his power rankings so i'm hoping that the browns and steelers are going to have a better rivalry going forward and especially i mean if the rivalry wasn't already heated it's even heated more now with the miles garrett incident so i'm excited about that rivalry going forward uh and like i said my one through five is really similar to connor's so i'm not gonna go into all of that but so that's gonna that's gonna round out my top 10 and uh i know we're gonna go into our the survivor topic now i'm gonna be curious to see what zach and connor have to say here yeah, so real quick, we'll show Nate's list here. He was the only one that had Packers-Bears as his number one. Then he had Ravens and Steelers, but overall pretty similar. Uh, he had Patriots-Ravens there uh, on his list at number six. And Don't yeah, everything <laughs> everything else we talked about, I believe. So yeah, so... Uh, but. Yeah, so let's get to the Survivor. Well, before you get yeah. to Survivor, look like I will say, like Eric said about the heatedness of the uh, Steelers-Browns rivalry, I remember the very first thing that Miles Garrett said after he got drafted was he was he said he was going to go sack Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, it started all from right there when he got <laughs> drafted. Yeah. Uh, all right, so if you don't, if you've never watched Survivor before, you should. or don't know what that's about, A, yeah, you should, but... And B, the, the following of this episode probably won't be for you because you won't understand as much. But if you're a lifelong fan, uh, you will definitely enjoy reliving some of these uh, personalities, especially on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach definitely so, has the bigger personalities on his for list. For <laughs> sure. I like, I like watching a, a personality. So I've got Parvati at 10. Uh, just a fun player to watch. I was... I was honest, like with the with the females on my list, it was hard for me to to find a bunch of my favorite female contestants. I I had a lot of males come up early on in my head, but uh, but yeah, Parvati. Uh, I don't have too much really to talk about her, but she is a favorite, of course. Um, then I've got Joe at number nine, and honestly, he probably would have benefited from playing like two less seasons in my mind because I got a little. <laughs> joe tired because he played probably like four or five years um but when he first played i mean everybody liked him i feel like he was he was a good guy everybody uh everybody could get behind him and everything he was he wasn't seen as a villain or anything like that ever he won a lot of challenges um good talker smooth personality i feel like he was kind of for everyone so i i was in that camp too i was, I was cool with joe um brenda i've got here at number seven and she number was eight. someone that, that 
Zach's having uh, trouble with counting today. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's it's when you count backwards, you know that's what it is. <laughs> um, but she was someone I definitely, when I was looking up this list, I was like, let me try and find some more uh, female contestants that were my favorite. And she, once I um, saw her name come up, I was like, oh yeah, I remember her being really, really fun, and I I was rooting for her too back in the seasons that she played in. So it was sad that she didn't win, but uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing her come back on for another season, I guess. And then I've got Rick Devins from one of a more recent season, like two or three years ago, I think. Um, he was just a really fun player to watch because of his personality, kind of like the stereotype dad. But uh, he he was fun, man. And, and with the idols, too, that's another thing. Like, I really respect and I root for the people that, like, go out of their way to find idols um, and do all that little nitty gritty stuff. Like I've always wanted to, to be on the show and, and hopefully one day in the future I will be. Um, and if I am, I kind of want to play like how he played with just the relentless pursuit for the idols. Um, he was on the bottom or he would, he, everybody wanted to vote him out because he was the best. Um, so I was rooting for him to win because I thought he was the best that season. But uh, in the end, fire got him. So that's another thing too. You got to know how to make fire before you go on this show. Um, so that was I'm not his detriment. That, that rule now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's something now that you you should prepare for. I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. When it first got introduced, I was like, yeah, that's a little cheesy. But now everybody knows what to do. So. No excuses in my mind. You should, if you really, if you really want to win, you should prepare that sort of stuff. Also, like knowing how to swim. That's an integral part in this game. If you don't know how to swim, you should really learn that before you come on the show because <laughs> they're on an island. So there's always um, one person that doesn't know how to. There it's always like, is. I'm like, how did you is. not prepare for this? And they get to a challenge where, like, because most of the time, you know, they get to split up the swimming sections. Like, someone mm-hmm. might not have to do it, but, like, there's always one challenge where everybody has to do it, and there's this yeah. one person that can't freaking swim. It's like, like, how did you not think to, you know, maybe <laughs> learn at least someone how to do this before you came on here? Yeah. It's like on The so, Amazing uh, Race when people go on and they don't know how to drive stick shift. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, so that's that's Rick Devins down there. And then I've got Tony here at number... Six. <laughs> I like that pause there. Um, but Tony is a person that I has really shooted up my list, especially with last season. Just the way he played, kind of like Devin's, where he finds the idols, he does all the stuff. And honestly, he has a personality with uh, with the way he does his spy shacks and, and the spy huts and all that sort of stuff. Like. He definitely, I really respect and like people that play the game really hard. And he's, he's a gamer when it comes to this. Uh, he he takes a lot of things seriously. And also, he just, I don't know how he does it, but he has, like, mind control over the tribe on getting them to vote his way. I don't know how that last season he didn't get voted out with all those winners. But, uh, yeah, su- surprisingly good player. And honestly, the last season, really, he was more of a human. Uh, the the first time, a few times he played, he was just like a AI calculating robot. Like, I gotta get this, <laughs> you know, strategy, strategy. But I really saw him as like a human this time. He actually had some real relationships with people. So, and especially Sarah too, you know. 
So I, I put him on this list here because I, I see him more as a human now and also a tremendous player. And then everybody's favorite redneck, Keith, I've got at number five. Um, Keith Nail. Yeah, so he he was on the watch. Uh, obviously got the got the southern accent with him and, and everything, but uh, you, you never knew what Keith was going to say. That's why I really liked him. Uh, I was rooting for him, too. I, I was hoping he would go farther than he did. Uh, uh, he the infamous quote with him i say stick to the plan <laughs> at tribal council <laughs> that one time and, and it messed everything up they were trying to do a blind side uh so keith definitely a fan of him and then i've got andrea at number four uh she's someone who i think with the like if she was on the list she'd definitely be on a list of like best players to never win it just seems like she always ends up unfortunately getting on the wrong side of the numbers and people look at her as a threat because she's played so many times and end up voting her out. But I really like her her style of play and was always a fan of seeing her on. So got to have her at number four. And then and really the three, my three favorites here, without a doubt, starting off with number three, I've got Coach. Uh, he played for a couple of seasons. and The Dragon man, Slayer. <laughs> the Dragon Slayer. And, and I watched, uh, man, Coach... Some of the best, some of my most favorite seasons of Survivor were the ones where Coach was involved. Uh, just a total weird guy. I mean, the he was like a soccer coach and wanted to be the leader and you know be. He always wore of, like shin guards and like soccer socks yeah, too. I yeah, was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and also another thing with him too is the stories that he told. I you know the story of he was at camp with everybody and he was like, I've only told the story to like a couple people, but he was like. Um, I was kayaking in the Amazon and then the indigenous people like kidnapped him and like beat him. And I was like, Oh, oh my I God, that story. <laughs> uh, like, honestly, I was like a kid. It was like, that was like scary real life stuff to me. I was like, Oh my God. Um, so I like coach cause it, you never knew what he was going to say. I was coming up with weird quotes and everything. I don't know how much of it was true. I remember he was like at tribal, like I've been in seven or eight life or death situations uh to jeff and jeff was like only seven and it was like maybe nine or ten and i was like wow and then <laughs> just like the guy who's done everything is coach um and also too he wanted to be a leader and everything and that drove people mad about him and just uh <laughs> i wouldn't say i was rooting for him to win but i was more so like i want to see more of this guy so just i like wanted stick him until the end because yes yeah, yeah, so like not, not win but stick around yeah for sure uh, so coach and also he goes by coach. I don't even know what his real life name it's, was. I think it's he was, Benjamin. It's like okay. Benjamin coat. And like his nickname is coach. Yeah. Um, and then that <laughs> going into number two, another nickname, another first name. I don't know. I don't know his um, name, <laughs> but we've got the war dog. Uh, number two here, big muscular guy. Honestly, when I first saw him, I kind of, kind of reminded me of Tony, like, uh, with his bald and, and everything um, muscular all <laughs> bald, bald muscular and he thought he'd be like a russian hitman or something but he was actually <laughs> he actually had a lot more to him than just what it looks like uh i remember he was like going crazy computating stuff in the sand one time like oh if this person votes that person and then that person tells this person that i mean he was like a engine running on this game and yeah, I I just really liked him. I thought he was funny, but like the whole war dog thing. Like nobody messes with the war dog. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, I would have liked to see War Dogs stay around longer. That season, I was heavily rooting for him to to win. Uh, so I was I was like, come on, War Dog. I was like, because that season I didn't really have anybody I liked, and then War Dogs. I started to watch War Dogs more. I was like, this War Dog guy is crazy. Um, so, but he's interesting. He's got more than he looks. Uh, but you would think he's really good in challenges. He actually was terrible in challenges. That was part of the reason why he. I think he he got voted out because he could never win immunity or anything like that. Really liability at challenges. Um, so number one though is the guy that <laughs> is just so weird. Oh, the original Philip. like well, one of the original huge personalities. Yeah, the the former federal agent Philip uh, played a couple seasons and just I really recommend going on YouTube because I did this when I was doing uh, making my list. I was. Look up uh, Philip moments or Philip content or something like that. On there's like a four part. Just type in Philip from Survivor. You'll see what I'm talking about. There's like four videos of just the best Philip moments. And it, yes, he did. If you're looking on YouTube, that is what he wore every day. <laughs> those, <laughs> those pink tidy whities. Um, oh my god. Well, well, there was even well, there was even one episode where like because he also had like some orange swim trunks that he wore. Yeah. But then there was one episode where one of the other contestants like. Because she knew she was going to get voted out, so she like mm-hmm. took them and buried them. So he yeah. was stuck wearing those pink underwears, and then he like somehow had a premonition or something that he and he found them. Like yeah, his, his Cherokee in the... Indian grandfather gave him, told him in in his vision or something. <laughs> um, just uh, oh man, just so many moments with Philip, and just so fun to watch. I I was glad to see that they didn't vote him out because they were talking about voting him out because of how of a nuisance Since day he was. one. <laughs> yeah. Somehow he made it to the end. He didn't win obviously, but, uh, Philip was interesting. And Eric, I know you didn't watch him, but definitely watch those videos. And this guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, that's my list. Uh, a lot of, a lot of favorites here, but, uh, let's see what Connor's got on his list. Yeah. So I definitely, Zach definitely took, like, the humorous, like, the players who, uh, like, he took some good, like, you know, strategy players, too, but definitely his top five were a lot of humorous players. I went with a little more of, like, you know, just people who I rooted for to win all the time. Um, so at number 10, I've got Dom from Survivor Ghost Island. I think for him, I always loved how cocky he was because, like, he was, it was, on that season, there was him and Chris were like the two like biggest and cockiest players and they kind of had like a rivalry going on and yeah, it was like, yeah. like which one was going to get voted out first and you know in the end Dom was able to get Chris out before Chris got Dom out so um and then I feel like Dom actually did get kind of robbed from winning that season I feel like you know uh, some people were just a little bit too upset they got voted out because I think he deserved a win over Wendell but Wendell did end up, end up beating him in a tiebreaker at the end um when we all knew that Laurel was going to vote for Wendell. It was kind of like yeah. one of the most anticlimactic moments. Uh, at that yeah. <laughs> so like the vote before that was pretty climactic, but then it was like, Oh, Laurel's going to do the tiebreaking vote. And it's like, well, gee, I wonder who she's, she's, she's going to vote for. Is she going to vote yeah. for Dom or like her biggest ally in the whole game? Like, obviously she's going to vote for Wendell. So, but I think my favorite Dom moment, the other one that put him over the top to put him on this list was, I can't remember who was talking to him, but like this person was talking to him about wanting to vote out one of his allies. So like Dom wasn't going to do it, but Dom wanted to seem like he was paying attention. 
and they had won a reward where they got coffee. And so Dom like had this coffee cup and this girl was walking up to him, like telling him what she wanted to do. Like she was all mad at him and she wasn't gonna, you know, be loyal to him if he didn't do this. And as she's talking, he's just sitting there going like, mm-hmm. like taking sips from his coffee cup. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like <laughs> completely not paying attention. It was just the greatest thing. I was like, you know, if he hadn't had that coffee cup, it would have wouldn't have been as funny. But he's just sitting there, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, <laughs> drinking coffee. So that was really cool. Then at number nine, I've got Terry Dietz. I know both Zach and Eric don't recognize him, but he was one of the ones from one of the earlier seasons, and he was probably. A lot of times nowadays you see these people that, you know, they, they're they they're on the bottom. And in order to stay in the game, they have to win immunity or, like, find a hidden... I think this was before the time of hidden immunity idols. So, like, the only way to guarantee you were safe was to win the challenges. And he was, like, the first big challenge beast. I guess Colby might have been, but, like, other than Colby, Terry Dietz was, like, the first big challenge beast. And he won, like, every single immunity challenge that season so he wouldn't get voted off. Until, like, you know, that's eventually what cost him in the end was he lost the final immunity challenge and, you know, they voted him off because they knew he would win if he made it to the final. So he was someone I always wanted to root for, and I really hated the fact because he came back on the uh, second chance season, and I was rooting for him again because I really liked him. And I remember the part that sucked for him was he didn't even get voted off that season. Basically, there was some, like, emergency where, like, his son was in the hospital or something. So Jeff had to come out and tell him, like, hey, your son's in the hospital. So he, had to, he didn't even get voted out. He left because of that. So I don't know if he'll ever come back again because he's getting pretty old at this point. But um, I would love to see him on there again. And then at number eight, I have Natalie, another, uh, one, another one of the more recent players. And I know kind of the same with Zach. I did have a hard time trying to find some of my more favorite female contestants. Um just because I guess I don't really, you know, being a male viewer, I don't connect with them as much. But I do have some favorites, and Natalie was one of them. I was really rooting for her to win last season because, you know, the fact that she was the very first one voted out, but then she was able to come back. Um, you know, she worked her butt off to get back in the game and came back in. And obviously her biggest fatal flaw was not voting out Tony, which had, had she voted out Tony, she probably would have won. But I don't know why she didn't even consider doing that. That seemed... Like Zach said, Tony seems to have mind control powers or something because if she had thought of anything, she would have thought to vote him out. So, But I do really like her. She's an interesting personality. She's got a twin sister that I remember watching them on The Amazing Race and they were really super annoying. So I remember when they first came on Survivor, I was like, oh, great, it's these girls again. Like, I'm not going to watch them, but like, I'm not going to like them. But they got separated right from the beginning because it was like blood versus water. So you were separated from your sibling and seeing her in a more individual setting, like you get to really know their personality a lot better. And, you know, she's got a great personality. She's very likable, but when she's with her sister, man, so when I was watching them on the amazing race, I like wanted to put in earplugs watching them. They were, if you ever go back and watch clips of them, they were, they were something else. Um, then at number seven, I went with Tyson. Um, definitely a more humorous player. I mean, he's kind of the same way as coach, I think like not quite to the extent as coach, but like you never knew what he was going to say. Like he'd come up with some ridiculous stories or something, or he made you think he was going to do something, but then do something completely opposite. Like this past season when they were on extinction and, you know, you could spend fire tokens to like, you know, get advantages in the immunity challenge or like buy a hidden immunity idol when you get back in the game. And then he was like, okay, I got a fire token. So obviously I'm going to need to spend this on something really important. 
and then he went and bought a jar of peanut butter with his fire token instead of buying like instead of buying like a a challenge advantage or an immunity idol (laughs) so um that was like low-key a genius strategy i at first i thought it was so stupid but then i realized like well he is getting an advantage and a challenge because he's you know, eating food every day, whereas nobody else is. So he'll have more energy in the challenge. Right. Ah. Right. They're getting like, you know, a cup of rice every day, whereas he's getting like a cup of rice plus this peanut butter that he bought. So, you know, and and peanut butter lasts a long time. Unlike, you know, there was other options to buy like a pizza or like a burger or something, but that's only going to last a day. Whereas the peanut butter will last over time. That was a massive jar of peanut butter too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Tyson at number seven, then at number six, I've got poverty. Um, the, Thankfully, I was really happy when I saw that Zach and I only had two similarities on our list, so that way we have more players to talk about. Um, Parvati was a fantastic player. I mean, especially in the season that she won, she the way she like masterfully uh, moved stuff around, and when she blindsided Ozzy, like nobody saw that coming, and that was one that that's probably to this day like still top five biggest blindsides in Survivor history was when she orchestrated that blindside of Ozzy. So, and. Obviously, I know Zach didn't say it at all, but I'm sure it probably came up for him. But if there was one Survivor player when I was a kid that I always had a big crush on, it was Parvati. So um, that's yeah. another reason why I put her on this. <laughs> I know Zach didn't mention that with like Andrea, but I know that's probably another reason why he really likes her. But I didn't just put her on here because of that. She was a really great player. Yeah, yeah, and, of course, of course. Um, then at number five, I've got James. Now, the interesting thing about James is that he probably would have been higher on my list had it not been for the most recent time that he came back. Because the first two times he played, he was just, you know, he was like the lovable giant. I mean, obviously great in challenges. I mean, can you see in his picture? He's ripped. Um, but he also had like a really good personality. He liked to crack jokes all the time. And he's most famous for getting blindsided with two hidden immunity idols in his pocket. Um that's always that always goes down as like one of the dumbest moves in survivor history um but i think it was his more recent season was what put him down because when he came back in heroes versus villains he kind of like he was on the hero side but he came back with like a nasty attitude like he started because the heroes were really stacked when it came to obviously the villains had the better playmakers like the better players i think but the heroes had the better players for the challenges and they were losing the challenges early on. He just got so frustrated. Like, he was getting all up in their faces and, like, you know, <clears throat> getting upset and yelling at them and just all this, like, nasty stuff like that you hadn't seen from him before. And so he just became, like, he almost transformed into a villain, which I didn't like about him. So that's kind of what put him down a little bit. But I still really like him from his first two seasons. So that's why he stayed up here. Then at number four, I've got Rick Devins, like Zach. I mean, just watching him struggle and play from, like, he came back from extinction and, you know, come back. And he made all the right moves to, because unlike Natalie, because Natalie, when she came back from extinction, like, she would have won had she made the move to take out Tony, which she didn't do. She made a mistake, whereas Devins literally made all the correct moves. And the only reason he lost, why Zach said, was because of fire making. Like, had he won that fire making challenge, he would have won the game. So... You know, because he just didn't win the final immunity challenge. So a very masterful player. And I loved his personality because he's a he's a news anchor. So all of like the things he did was like, like, this is Rick Devins. And he just had all these little quirks that he had with his news anchor personality. So I literally liked that. Then at number three, I've probably got I know I said that um, coach was one of the original personalities, but this guy came before coach. Another one of the original very big personalities was Jonathan Penner. And 
I think the biggest thing for me that I liked about him is that he just didn't care what he said. Like, he would talk smack to Jeff. Like, Jeff would be saying stuff. Like, he'd be commenting how bad Penner was doing, and Penner would, like, fire back at him and be like, well, what do you know, Jeff? And they're like, you know, <laughs> like, thanks for pointing that out, Jeff. And he's like, and Jeff would be like, that's why I'm here, Penner, or, like, something like that. <laughs> just the interactions he had with Jeff were some of the greatest things I've ever seen because none of the other players really – it's one thing that I wish more players would do because whenever Jeff says stuff, you know, they don't really, obviously in tribal council, they interact with him because like, that's what they're there for. But during the challenges, they just don't speak. Like Jeff does his, you know, narrating and whatnot. They don't say anything. They just, even if Jeff is like, Oh, you know, Natalie over here is sucking, you know, she won't say anything. She'll just keep, keep trying to go. But Penner would actually respond. He'd be like, Penner is sucking. And Penner would be like, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Like, you know, you like you suck too, Jeff, and stuff like that. So um, that's, what, that's what I loved about Penner. And I also loved how, you know, he was a very hard player because a lot of people wanted to get him out early, but he stuck in the game. He made the right strategy moves to stay in. So they got Jonathan Penner there. Then at number two, I've got a more recent player too, Jeremy. Um, I like him a lot. I think his personality is great. And he's another one that he's not afraid to make big moves. Because I think, one thing that's getting um, what's happening in survivor now is that the players are also worrisome about like the end of the game. Cause back in the day, you didn't worry about the end of the game until the end of the game. Whereas now they're worrying about the end of the game on like day two. And so people, any people are so afraid to make big moves. And I think Jeremy's the one, like one of the few exceptions that he wasn't afraid, kind of like Tony, he wasn't afraid to make big moves early on in the game. And he was still good enough to be able to, like, you know, stay in the game and kind of mask that he was the true mastermind and not get voted out. I mean, even last season, I don't know how he stuck around, uh, stuck around as long as he did. Like, there was at least two or three tribal councils in a row where I thought he was going home and he somehow stuck around, like, either through an advantage or, like, just the right relationships and the right plan at the right time. So, a very good, and, you know, like I said, he's got a great personality, too. Other than the fact that when they did the family visit, all of his uh, family showed up in New England Patriots gear. I didn't I really like that very much. I didn't but... like that either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Nate would have loved that if you watched yeah. the show. But uh, other than that, I like Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. And then my number one, this guy, Rupert Bonham, probably one of the most popular players in the history of Survivor. I mean, I know my mom and my sister and I used to watch this when we were kids, like as a family, because now obviously we don't live together anymore. So we're all watching it on our own time, but we used to watch it like every, every Thursday night. Now it's Wednesdays, but it used to be Thursdays, you know, every Thursday night at 8 PM, we'd sit in front of the TV and watch survivor. And our favorite player back then was Rupert, you know, he just had this larger than life personality. And, you know, he, he would always, he was kind of like the guy that was built to go on survivor. Like he'd go out in the ocean and catch fish and, he kind of had this like pirate mentality. Like the, I remember at the beginning of his season, the challenge was like, they had a big, you know, collection of stuff and they had to go in and like gather stuff up and like trade money for it. And he, like they went past the, the other team left their like stash of stuff unguarded. So he just went in and grabbed a bunch of their stuff because they left it unguarded. Yes, dude, that's a <laughs> classic Rupert moment, man. Classic. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, that's why you guard your stuff because yeah, I think he took all the other team's shoes is what it was. He, like, took all their shoes, so they all got to the island with no shoes. So whenever they did any challenges where they had to, like, run on wilderness, they didn't have shoes because Rupert took them all. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and he was just, like, you know, the typical island guy, like the tie-dye shirt. And 
I was a bit disappointed. Like in the most recent time he played, he was like the first one voted out, so that sucked. But um, at least he got to play three other times, and we got to saw see him and um, just probably one of the most likable players in Survivor history. And I couldn't think of. I remember when Zach said we were like, "Oh, we were going to think about doing Survivor," and we were like, "We're going to put our favorite Survivor contestants." And I said, "Hmm, I'll have to think about that." But I know number one. Like I knew right away he was going to be number one. So um, that's my favorite. Survivor players, I know Eric didn't have time to make a list, but I think he said he was going to do like an honorary mention or something, so I'll let Eric talk. Yeah, so a lot of great picks from these guys. I, I didn't recognize some of them. My biggest problem is I haven't seen as many seasons of this show as Zach and Connor have, so I'd have to really it was going to, I'd have to really sit down to do it, but an honorary mention that I wanted to throw in here and this person definitely didn't get enough airtime because they were the first one voted out. But I got to give a shout out to my girl Reem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot uh, from War Dog and Rick season. I mean, she was the first one voted out. But man, I seriously, dude. <laughs> seriously, dude. I was I would love to see her get another chance. Like it, it, if they ever did a season where they brought back a bunch of like they, this last one, they brought back like all winners. I would love if they did a season where they brought back all people that were voted out first and give them a second chance kind of a thing. I mean, she was so funny. I mean, I didn't like her personally, but just she was kind of like some of the people that Zach and Connor talked about that just didn't care. She was just going to say what was ever on her mind and just let it out. And the biggest thing, like where Connor said, seriously, dude, uh, they were on the edge and there was an advantage out there. And uh, somebody else got it. I can't remember who it was that got yeah, it, but I, somebody, okay. so, it's slipping my mind for some reason. But but other people came up later, and they thought Reem had given the advantage. Well, well she pointed it thing. out. What basically what happens is she said, "What yeah. was that?" And the other guy like walked up to it and grabbed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she kind of cost herself there from getting it, but people thought she like gave it to him, and they're like, "Reem, why did you do that?" And she was like, "Seriously, dude." <laughs> think I would just give away an advantage like that, dude? Like, <laughs> and I say dude a lot, too, so I guess that's, maybe that's part of my Reem connection, but uh, and I remember, like, when Wentworth got voted off, and she went to the edge, and Reem just straight out called her out. She's like, Wentworth, you ruined my chance at playing at Survivor. You you personally ruined my Survivor experience. <laughs> Whoa! Like, <laughs> you know, like, somebody had to be first, but, you know. <laughs> but she would just say whatever was on her mind. I didn't care. Like, I, I would love to see her get another chance. Like, she's yeah, crazy. She's a personality. Yeah. She is, man. But, uh, see, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to add too much to this, but I would definitely, like, hopefully... You know, if we do another Survivor topic in the future, I'll have a little more time to prepare my list because I would like to be more involved in it uh, the next time. But definitely great list, guys, for sure. Yeah, that's that's for sure, guys. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on here. No, this went a little bit long, but uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode and more to come. Until then, guys, remember, be clutch. Bye. Peace.